Let's take our Bibles together, and we'll start in the book of Joshua, if you'll take your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. I want to tell you tonight that God does not want you to fail. He doesn't want your marriage to fail. He doesn't want your home to fail. He doesn't want your children to fail. But the majority of people, they do fail in these important relationships. And so you'll have to buck the trend to have success in your family. If you just keep the status quo then probably you're going to have a disaster in your home. And obviously as a church, we want to help all of our families have success in their home, in your home. And we try to structure things to help your children and help your teenagers and help the family unit. And so the things of God are at the forefront. And Joshua chapter 1 is the only verse in the Bible that uses the word success. And it's connected with the Bible. But it's a very personal connection. It is not really a verse about the success of one's home. It's a verse about the success of an individual. And of course that's Joshua 1.8 where the Bible says, if you're looking at it, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Notice, not it didn't say out of your hand. So in other words, the word of God is not just something in your hand. And it's not just something in your brain. It's something in your mouth. In other words, you're speaking these words. It's something that you're familiar with Because you are speaking the word of God. Maybe to yourself. That would be a good thing for you to quote the Bible to yourself. It's hard to quote the Bible to yourself though if you don't know any verses in the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now that just doesn't mean you know it. That means that you're constantly thinking about what God has said. Meditation is, in many religions, I don't think it is talked much about in Christianity, though it's in the Bible. We don't believe in heathen meditation. We don't believe in Buddhist meditation. You're never going to reach nirvana by just being one with yourself or with the world or with nature. But God, when he talks about meditation, about what you think about, what you constantly think about, he wants you to be meditating on the Bible. But you, again, you can't meditate on something that you don't know. You can't meditate on something that you're not reading. So if I were to ask you, what have you meditated on today? What have you been thinking about all day long? You, you see where we are? We want to get to the last word in verse number 8, which is the word success. But to get there... There's a way to get there. 
The Word of God needs to be in our mouths. It needs to be meditated thereon day and night, not just once a day, not once a week, not just when you come to church. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So you're not, you're not, it's not only in your mouth, you're not only thinking about it day and night, but you're putting it into practice. You're doing something about what you know. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You put it into practice. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That is a mountain of work right there. And that's the same type of work that has to be done on our homes if they are going to be a success. The Word of God needs to be spoken in our homes. It needs to be meditated on in our homes. And we need to put into practice what the Word of God says in our homes. And without that, then your home is not going to be a success. Just because you come to church does not mean you're... And look, if if if... If you have a blowout in your home, don't don't go out and say, well, I went to church and so it's the church's fault or God's fault. No, it doesn't work that way. Just because you go to church doesn't mean anything good is going to happen in your home. Church is two days a week. Church is a very few hours in your week. And according to this verse, the success is a day and night issue. And I think the days are over when people thought they could just drop their kids off and they'll, you know, they'll turn out right because that doesn't happen. You can drop them off at church all you want. That, that doesn't, that will not breed success in their lives. So what are the ingredients for success in, in our homes? Would you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3? I'm just going to give you four things tonight. Hopefully you'll, they can be a help. And the first one, the first one ought to put you at ease. It really should. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because the first point about having success in your home really doesn't all have to do with you. And I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'll show you what I mean in verse number 10. He says in 1 Corinthians 3.10, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. So Paul is building something. He's building on the foundation, verse 11, of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the church, yes, but this would be true about building anything for God. And we need to build our homes for God. He says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise Master builder, and you need wisdom to build your home for your home to be a success. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. But now, notice how this verse starts according to the grace of God which is given unto me. In order to build anything for God, in order for anything to be a success with the Lord. It takes the grace of God. You, you say, well, 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 that's understood. No, no, it's not. Go to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. You know, there's some people that think if, if I have the right formula that I'll have a successful home. 
If you have a right formula, that does not guarantee you a successful home. If any of our homes succeed, if any of our marriages succeed, if any of our children turn out right, it will be by the grace of God. You understand? Not how good of a parent we were, or how good of a a husband I was, or how good of a wife. We've got to understand, if anything turns out right, God is the one that made it turn out right. Sure, we have to be involved, but we can never look at ourselves and say, well, I tell you what, if I do this, this, and this, my marriage will succeed. If I do that, and this thing, and this thing, my kid, it doesn't work that way. And if anything in our lives turns out right, you'll have to raise your hand and say, it was the grace of God. And I'll show it to you again right here in chapter 15. He said in verse number 10, watch this. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see that? Not his, his studiousness or his uh, level of commitment or... It is by the grace of God, he says, that I am what I am. And his grace, look at it, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than the other. When we're talking about the grace of God, it takes the grace of God for our homes to be a success. We're not telling, we're not saying that you're not involved. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Watch it now though. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Do you see that? Now, see, this is what has to happen. Before we have a successful home, we've got to check all of our egos at the door and say, I really don't know how to be the husband I need to be, to be the wife I need to be, to be the father or the mother. I, don't, I can't figure this out. I need the grace and the favor of God. It's not a one, two, three thing. It's God, you've got to get in this. Or it's going to fail. And Paul knew that about his own life. That's certainly true about a church. It's certainly true about a home. I think this church has succeeded as it has for so many years with the Lord because the grace of God and God's God's hand has been at work in this church. It's not just about the pastors or the leadership or or the people or the money or we live in Alabama or it's I believe God's grace has been bestowed upon this congregation for many years and we have got to beseech his grace to continue to bestow. You see that? Because without His grace, it's going to flop. It's going to flop like a bad habit. And so will your your home. And if your kids turn out right, the first thing you ought to do is raise your hand to God and say, well, that was the grace of God. Matter of fact, I I think the Lord probably will will be more apt to help us if he knows we're going to give him credit for it. (laughs) So it has to be the grace of God working. 
There is no automatic formula. I can't tell you one, two, three with your marriage or your kids and their work. We got a lot of young families. We got a lot of babies that have been born in this church and are going to be born in this church. And I am burdened to make sure that we can, I can do everything in my power to help you for that to be a success. But we're going to have to have God's grace. And if you approach your home that way, you know what will happen in your life? You won't be so hard-headed about stuff. You know what I'm saying? People get hard-headed and so opinionated when they think they're right and they've got, they've got the answers figured out. Here's the answer. The grace of God is the answer. It's almost like there's a ditch when you talk about the home with people. They're either on, on one side of the ditch where they're unconcerned about their marriage and their kids and their family, or they're on the other side of the ditch where they're arrogant about it and they think they've got it all figured out. And neither is good. You've got to have a teachable spirit. There is nobody in here that has all the answers. I... I I used to laugh, you know, it, it probably some of you will even know the name. I'll go ahead and say it. They used to say, you know, Bill Gothard, he had all the answers. How many of you heard that name? Well, okay, I'm glad. That, that's, that's probably good if anybody hadn't heard that name. So here's a man that had all the answers on marriage and the family, and he never was married. And never had any kids. Well, I see something wrong with that picture. <laughs> and then you've got these people that have all the answers about their kids when their kids are five. <laughs> and they never have a teenager go through their home. And then you've got people that, that have all the answers for the family when all they have is teenagers and none of them have left home yet. You know, we'll find out the success of our homes when they don't have to do what you say. We'll find out how well we did with them or how much of, of God's work is really in their hearts, you see. So here's what I know, and I've, I've been at that a long time. I don't have any kids at the house. They're all out of the house. But there are people smarter than you that have failed. And there are people that are more spiritual than you that have failed. With their marriages and with their children. So you know what that ought to, ought to do? That ought to cause us to get on our face and say, Oh God, I need you. And if you're just fixing to be a first-time parent, you need him more than you need anything. <laughs> and you ain't got a clue. One of the greatest men in the Bible, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, Samuel, from, from before birth... <laughs> Till death, he was faithful to God. That's Samuel. 
And the Bible doesn't even tell us how his marriage was. It definitely doesn't say how his children grew up. But it does tell us in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel that when he's old, that his sons, listen to this, did not walk in his ways. You know what that means? That means that you can do right, but that doesn't mean your children will do right. He's still walking in the ways of God, but his children aren't walking in the ways of God. You say, well, if I'll just just walk in the ways of God, then they'll walk in the ways of God. I wish it was that easy. But they have a will, and that's why we need the grace and help of God. Because you can do everything right that you know to do right, and then they can leave the reservation. And you'd think that would make parents and husbands and wives be more than faithful to church and more than faithful to God and more than fasting and praying for knowing that that's the case. People smarter and more spiritual than me have failed seemingly in their homes. So we've got to look at our families first of all in the perspective of the grace of God. Lord, I need your grace. And I'm not going to get so big that I can't take instruction and I'm not going to be teachable and I'm not going to let the Spirit of God work in my life. Guys, you have got to let the Lord make you flexible. I've watched this. I've watched people that are so dogmatic about what they think and and their home, their children march out of their home never to darken a church door because they never could see, I need to make an adjustment here. What I'm doing is not working. <laughs> and by the way, don't, if you wait until your children are teenagers to see that you, make, you need to make an adjustment, when they're little ones, you ought to be able to know whether you need to make an adjustment. And if you need to make an adjustment, don't be too proud to say, hey, I need help. And I'm going to get some more materials and try to spend some more time and organize some stuff to somehow uh, try to be a better encouragement to our young families. But there are, there are things out there to help you make those adjustments. Okay, move on. So that's the first thing. It's got to be the grace of God in our homes for, they, for them to be a success. Secondly, so important. There is a danger, and one of the greatest dangers in the home, I'll say it with two Ds, the danger of duplicity. That means you're living a double life. That means you have a public life, and then you have a private life. If you want a sure recipe to ruin your family, Just be one way at church and before others in a different way at your house. And your kids will see through that in a second and say, this is a joke. The Bible has words for that. Duplicity, that's a modern term. Guile. Jesus looked at Nathanael in John 1, and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. In other words, with Nathanael, what you saw is what you got. 
He wasn't playing games with anybody. Another word in the Bible about that is the word dissimulation. The Bible says, let love be without dissimulation. We're not putting on a show in public and being a totally different way at the house. Sure recipe to ruin your family. The Bible talks about Peter uh, with his hypocrisy and that Barnabas was carried away with his dissimulation. In other words, when he was away from the Israelites, he, he acted one way with the Gentiles. When the Israelites came, he acted a whole other way. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> if you acted... Tonight, in church, around people, the way you acted yesterday at the house, what kind of a meeting would we have? If you talked in here like you talked to your husband and wife, what would we hear out of your mouth? You hear what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, we, if we're not careful, we'll get into this little, this little fake life deal. And that is destruction for the home. Because what kids need to see more than anything, they need to know that they've got a mom and dad that really loves the Bible and really loves God and really loves the church and really, they love each other. Instead of all this fake stuff. That's, it's called hypocrisy. That's another Bible word. I don't want to be a hypocrite. They, and you're, listen, our kids know if we're really committed to the Lord. Guys, the hardest, I shouldn't shouldn't even say the hardest, the most telling place to know how committed you really are to the Lord is in your house. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll put our religious hat on and then we'll put the devil hat on. And you know what? That, that's two different lives. That's schizophrenia. <laughs> that's not the way God wants us to live. You know, your, your kids, when they, when they come to church, and they, see, they ought to see you sing like this, you know, Marvelous message we bring, glorious care, Jesus is coming again. They ought to see a smile. But you know, for some people, if they saw their mom do, they said, what is wrong with mom and dad? Well, I ain't seen that in a year. Or I haven't seen them pray in a long time. We sure hadn't opened the Bible together at home. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? And I'm not beating up. I'm just I'm telling you that the recipe to the success of our home is number one. We just we just can't live feignedly. We can't feign ourselves to be something because it it won't work at the house. It just won't work at the house. That's true about your marriage, you know. Oh, don't come in here acting like you love me after you've talked to me like that all week. Bringing me these flowers on Mother's Day. Guys, we just got to have genuine homes. We, we, and if they're not, you know, we can confess that. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
here is the story of Timothy's house. You know, Timothy's dad, I don't even think he was saved. I don't know that. But they sure, they're they sure not talking about Timothy's dad. <laughs> and by the way, that's an encouragement to me because we, we have some people that one half is trying to be Christian and the other half ain't. But that doesn't mean there still can't be success. I think Timothy is a case in point. Look at it in verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Timothy, I know you're real. You're not a fake. You're not a hypocrite. You've got real faith. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and thy mother Eunice, And I am persuaded that in thee also. Timothy had a grandma that was a real, amen, lover of God. And and, and Timothy had a mother that was real and loved God. And it don't even matter who his grandpa was or his daddy was. Those real Christians made a difference in his life. And he was a real Christian. You say, well, what if... I'm married to a lost person or my husband or my wife is not a real Christian. Will you be a real Christian? You do what, you do what you're supposed to do and you be real before God and you have your heart right with God and you don't live a double life and just maybe the reality of your Christian life will rub off on your family. Hmm. I'm telling you, once you get in that home, we find out if we really love God. And if we really love each other. You know, I saw that in my parents. I can brag on the Lord a while for that because my dad's in heaven and my mom's amen in South Carolina with her sister. She ain't even here. My brother and I were not good children. We fought like cats and dogs. And we didn't both grow up doing right or he worse than me, but you know. <laughs> but I tell you what Joel and I always saw. We saw two real Christians at home. They were real. I never saw my dad raise his voice to my mother. I never saw my mother giving my dad what for. Not one day in my life. They were real Christians. That didn't mean they were perfect parents. I looked back to some of the things and I said, I think, man, mom, dad, How did you not know Joel and I were that foolish that you didn't? They weren't perfect parents, but you know what they did? They were real Christians. You you see what I'm getting at? You can make some mistakes in raising your children, 
But you, but you cannot make a mistake in being a real Christian at your house. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we knew, man, we knew mom and dad, they were committed to the Lord. They loved, they loved the Lord. And so through life, we're always saying, you know, boy, mom and dad, they got the real stuff. Even if it wasn't in our own hearts, we knew they had it. You see where we're getting at? Everybody wants to know this, how to have a successful marriage and successful children. But, but really, the, you get down to it, 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 it's being a real Christian first. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll give you a third ingredient. The success of your home will have to be by the grace of God. Your home cannot be a double life. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, he goes through this section in verse 1 through verse number 7. That's on the home. That's on husbands and wives. I'm not going to go through all that. What I'm interested in is verse 8. This is my third ingredient for you. Finally, be ye all of one mind, have compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful. I want to drill right down on that last two little words. Be courteous. I'm trying to make this as simple as I can make it. Be courteous. The success of your home. You know what you need? There is a requirement of respect at the house. People need to be respectful. You know, <clears throat> we're courteous to each other. We come to, we come to the church house here and we, 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 don't, we don't yell at each other that I know of. <laughs> That'll stop real fast. What kind of church would we have if somebody walked on the parking lot and started just screaming at somebody? You, you think that'd work? It won't work for anybody. Well, it ain't going to work at your house either. You know you can respect people and not even agree with them. I'll just be right out front with you. I don't really have anything at all for Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi, but if they walked in the church house, I would be respectful to them. And I don't agree with nothing they believe. I wouldn't even let them lead in silent prayer if they said they were saved. That's what I think of. But you know what? They walked in, I'd say, Hello, Mr. President. I wouldn't hold up a sign and call him an Alzheimer patient. I wouldn't mock him. You know why? Because that's not courteous. Everybody deserves to be treated with respect. 
As far respectful, I should say, I should rephrase. Everybody should be treated respectfully. Everybody does not deserve respect, but everybody needs to be treated respectfully. Well, preacher, you don't know what he said, and you don't know what she did. Be courteous. You know, if there was courteousness in the house between mom and dad and children and parents, I tell you what, it starts breaking down. People quit being courteous. You throwing names around and you, you've lost your mind. Those are people that you're supposed to love more than anybody on the planet. And you've got to be courteous. Doesn't mean that that they're always right. It doesn't even mean that they can't be rebuked. It doesn't mean that that children aren't to be disciplined. But you know what? Even our children, we need to deal with them respectfully. Don't make fun of your kids. I've seen parents make fun of their kids. You know, maybe they they, they did bad. They couldn't hit the baseball or do this. Well, what's wrong with you? You just can't do nothing right. What what, what planet are you on? That doesn't mean that you don't, you don't tell them, hey, this is wrong. This is a sin. I'm not saying that. You've got to do that. But you can do that respectfully. You can do that courteously. I believe that's probably a little bit what's in Ephesians 6, 4 when he tells children, he tells fathers not to provoke their children to wrath. In other words, you can deal with your children in such a way, even if you're right, that you're killing your relationship with your child. And the point is not to show them you're right. The point is to help them. We need to be respectful with our children. Children need to be respectful and honoring to their parents. It's all broken down from... The Bible says in Ephesians 5.33 that the wife is to reverence her husband. That sounds like respect. Well, you don't know my husband. I may not know you either. But the truth is, the book is right. Doesn't mean they're right, but they're, they're, you're to show respect. There should be some respect toward your husband. Just like those children are to respect their father. Hebrews 12, 9 says that, that we had uh, uh, fathers after the flesh and we did them reverence. That means there was some respect there. Doesn't mean they're always right. And I don't have a Bible verse for it except the one in 1 Peter chapter 3. But I think, I think husbands need to be respectful to their wives. Well, I'm a man and I'm just going to tell her what for. You're an idiot. Be respectful. I was raised to be respectful to women. Amen. And that's not just open the door for them when they walk in the building. That's how you talk to them at the house. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of times we're saying, oh, how, how are we going to get our marriage? How are we, right. How are we going to have success in our homes and all that? And, and how about just being kind? <laughs> that would go along. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. So many failures in our homes. If you could sit down for 15 minutes in that home and be a fly on the wall, you would say, they ain't nobody in this house kind. You say, I'm not going to be kind if they're not going to be kind. Come on, man. The Bible didn't say be kind if they're kind to you. (laughs) 
The book says that the, that the Lord God is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. So if you're in a house with some unthankful and eat, just be kind. I'm not telling you to change what's... I'm not telling you to, to, to... So many people have backed off on what they believe. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can, you can be, hold on to what you know is right and that's not giving in to evil, but you can still be kind. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Oh, why don't you fix this? Well, why don't you just be kind? And then maybe it can get to a place where it could be fixed. The Bible tells us to put on. That means it's not automatic. You've got to put on brotherly kindness. Brotherly, that's a family thing. I wonder where brothers and sisters learn not to be kind to each other. I wonder where they learn that. Boy, you can hear an ant tinkle on a cotton ball in here. <laughs> Romans chapter 12. We'll just read a verse of scripture here then. I, I, I desperately want the success of our homes. But it doesn't matter how good the messages are and how wonderful the doctrine is. If you can't be kind at your house, you know, you may, you may just need to, to check it right there. Yeah. Romans 12, verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. So that's written to the church. We should be kindly affectioned to each other in the church. <laughs> if you can't do that at the house, how are you going to do that here? 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'll give you the last one. The success of our homes, it has to be by the grace of God. The danger of duplicity has to be shunned. The requirement of respect. And then 1 Timothy chapter 4. The place of purity in the house. So, say you get kindness mastered. You got all that down. Say you're not a hypocrite at the house. You got that down. But if your life and your family's not pure, it's still going to fail. The sad thing, there are some, there are heathen people that are kind at home, but that is not an assurance that their families are going to turn out right. If you allow impure, dirty things in the house, it will cause the house to fall. 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 12, this is about young people. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Our young people need to live in a pure way. In chapter 5, when he starts going through the different family um, units here, or family, the order of the family in First Timothy 5 in the church even. He says, verse 2, the elder women as mothers, the younger women as sisters with all purity. At the end of verse 22, he says, keep thyself pure. 
assured destruction of your marriage is if you let your mind get dirty, sir. And when we allow dirt to get in our children's lives, we have to have boundaries. That doesn't mean that that they are oppressed. But we've got to have boundaries of the filth of this world, and we can't totally keep them from that. But we have got to show them by example that we're going to keep ourselves pure. We're going to keep our marriage pure. And, And keeping your marriage pure... There's so many marriages that, that end in, in adultery, and that don't start that way. That starts right here. When you start impure thoughts about somebody else. And for our marriages to stay strong, they've got to be pure. And we have to make sure that our desire... The, the husband's desires toward his wife and the wife's desires toward her husband has got to be nurtured and helped. And if anything enter in, any, any else, any other person, any other thing enters into that, whether it's by the internet or by the workplace, there'll be no success at the house. And I, for one, am tired of watching children watch their parents' marriages be destroyed because of immorality. They don't deserve that. So we need to keep our marriages pure. We need to keep our families pure. And we need to be consistent. And that's probably another story. But as you discipline your children to cause purity to to get in their hearts and in their minds and in their lives, you've got to do that on a consistent basis. It's really, it's hard work, guys. It's hard work to love your children like you need to love them, but it's hard work to discipline your children like you need to discipline them. And it's hard work to keep the balance between the two. And it takes the fullness of the Spirit and the help of God to do that. And the reason that we, listen, the reason that we discipline our children consistently is because we want a pure heart imparted unto them. And without consistent discipline, they'll never have a pure heart. He says, you want to deliver him from hell? Or do you want hell in his brain and hell in his heart? There's got to be discipline there. And so many parents aren't willing to discipline because they're not willing to discipline because they're in love with their self, not with their child. And it hurts to discipline your child. And so the parent that's in love with himself says, I'm not going to do that because I feel bad when I do that. That means that parent's more concerned about their feelings than they are the purity of the heart of the child. It's hard work, guys. But you can have success in your marriage. You can have success in your home. It'll have to be the grace of God. There cannot be a double life. There must be mutual respect. And there's got to be purity.